Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> testing, testing. Okay, that looks fine. This, is, this looks fine. It's all fine. <laughs> My entire front lawn is exposed, but it's fine. There's a trench. It's like a deep, deep trench. A dog could fall in there and die. But it's fine. Here we go. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, people, people who bug people are the annoyingest people of all. Now that we're seeing people again, how do we deal with them? We forgot, especially the difficult ones. Am I a difficult person? You can tell me. Do I get clingy and needy? And why won't you just talk to me? Don't walk away from me. Anyway, our friend Professor Jonathan Bowman is here to help us cope with each other. And if that's not enough wisdom for you, we've got another big bucket of sagacity for you. It's the return of the quote party. I'm Adam Felber, this podcast's Captain Von Trapp, trying to keep my unruly brood in line and put their best, most mannerly feet forward as they enter polite society. And now, please welcome the woman who careens through this show like a deranged nun, filling everyone's heads with weird ideas and everyone's bellies with double stuff Oreos. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay! Hey, you guys! Yay. It's a one-woman clap. <laughs> That's right. Tony, Tony Anita Hull is uh, is off at Disneyland tonight. Yeah. She's yeah. on vacation, yeah. so Bonnie's going to have to be a one-woman cheering section. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? The whole day has just been stuff like that. Just stuff. You know what I mean? What a day. The first thing that happened is I got a phone call from Bonnie asking if I had read her email. I hadn't. Well, it turned out our newest episode had dropped today, and somehow it came out like Ricky Ricardo's movie audition film when Lucy edits in <laughs> her and Fred and Ethel. Uh, nobody's on Facebook let out a, a collective cry for help. One listener asked if it was performance art. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, it was a. It was a cock up. Yeah. It was. It was not good. Uh, we took it down, fixed it, and put it back up. But this this required me to to listen to the episode to be sure that it was correct. And I'm going to tell you a secret, you guys. I hate listening to myself. I, I don't know how the rest of you do it. I hate my voice. I hate the stupid shit I say. I, I did listen. <laughs> I mean, when I say nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, I'm on their side. I understand. <laughs> say they should i just said that they don't uh, uh you know what i did listen though and i'm so glad that i did because uh when i was listening to the book club part 
I realized something about why I don't like Eat, Pray, Love. I, I heard myself say in that episode that I didn't like Elizabeth Gilbert or her book because she's self-centered. But then, and I was sifting while I was listening, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I dropped my sifter. It struck me like lightning. <laughs> I'm self-centered. <laughs> That's why I don't like the book. She never mentions me. And it turns out, I got thinking about it, I thought, I thought that's why I didn't like The Sun Also Rises or, or The Great Gatsby or The Sound and the Fury. They don't mention me at all. It's almost like all of the great works of literature fail to mention you. Well, precisely. I, I hated Dostoevsky's The Idiot because I was so disappointed. I thought for sure I'd be all over that book, but nary a word. I, I realized that I just took us right into the book club meeting without you even and you and you can't because i don't want to uh hit you with the self-centered stick any harder than you're already hitting yourself um yes. when you listen back to this podcast if you do did i you will forget notice, you will what notice, is the matter you will with me oh okay. my gosh did i for okay wait i'm not going another step until i thank house band <laughs> returning champ <laughs> Aiden McDonald from Los Angeles on the harp. Thank you very much, Aiden. You sound wonderful. And I, I, you know, part of the reason I didn't thank you right away was you hadn't said anything about me yet. But now I realize my mistake. So thank you so, so much. Um... Wow, Paula, you know, it, it's been chaos over here today, too. While nobody's were dealing with the tragedy of a show that sounded like performance art, I was just having a routine surveying of my plumbing system happening. Uh, what do you mean and, a routine and, surveying? Well, we needed, we needed to look in the drains. We might do some work oh. soon, so we just sent a camera down there. Yeah. Uh, the, the minute they cleared some soil off my pipes, the clay pipes in the front of the house crumbled yeah. to the ground. And so, like, oh, I, I needed an instant estimate. The water had to be shut off. Everything. It was just, it's going to be a big thing. <laughs> we were dealing with oh, it all that's... day today. Oh, my gosh. All right. It was, a, well, it was a bad day. From that unpleasantness, let's get to the unpleasantness that we call the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Book Club. Covering Yay! it to order. We're reading Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Now, we read Eat, Pray, Love. I think it was chapters 56 to 65 this week. No, it was 46 to 50. No, yeah, it I is. Think you're, I think it's you're right. 46 to 56? 46 to 55. Yeah, that's it. Bonnie read another book entirely. <laughs> no, I didn't. I doubt Bonnie is Bonnie. reading this book, and, and Tony's not here. So, Paula, why don't you lead us off? She's on the ashram in uh, India, and yeah. uh, she's feeling light penetrating her entire soul, and she's... Uh, also struggling with her inner demons, and occasionally she goes out into town or tells us an interesting story, but mostly it's more of Elizabeth Gilbert being Elizabeth Gilbert. No, mostly in this week's chapters, she's at it again. She just keeps crying. Alice in Wonderland didn't cry as much as this woman. Uh, uh, by the way, I didn't really like Alice in Wonderland either. So, so I'm not mentioned at all unless you count Tweedledee. In this week's chapters, Elizabeth <laughs> writes to herself again and again. She keeps doing that thing where she writes to herself and then she writes herself back saying that she loves her and she won't ever leave her. What the fuck does that mean? She's like the Kraken lawyer, Sidney Powell, who says uh, she's been in herself a long time. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's God writing to her back. Not only that, she has dreams where yogis tell her that she's awesome and she just needs to become more awesome. And she has a friend, the really entertaining Texan, that we know nothing about except that he exists to tell her if she could just get out of her own way, she'd be enlightened. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you can't quite figure out what he's doing there. He apparently has all the answers already. Um, yeah, so why is he on the ashram? <laughs> yeah, he should be out plying his own wares uh, somewhere. Yeah, she does this weird thing where she writes to herself and then she feels that God is writing back to her. It happens to be in her own handwriting. So there's a person who feels good about themselves. Um, apparently, she, like, she's suggesting that she doesn't know, like, until she reads it, what God said. Right? Like, that it's somehow mysterious to her that her hand is moving and she's writing, but it's God Respond. She could actually make one of those treasure hunts that I used to make for my kids where you hide a series of notes, each telling you where to look for the next note, and eventually they all lead to a gift. She could make one of those for herself because she doesn't have any idea. And she is constantly giving herself gifts. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Listen, our problem with the episode that dropped today, um, that's just the universe speaking to us, surely. Yes, you know what? It was telling us that we don't love ourselves enough and the lion inside our hearts needs to rise up and roar. You have no idea how much we love us. Yeah, no, I sat right down and wrote to myself uh, after that challenge this morning. And uh, and what did you write back? Well, you know, I didn't know what I had written until later. And I went and looked at it. And by the way, a lot of very swirly font I used. And my eyes were dotted with flowers, like how Amy Hayes wrote in the sixth grade. And apparently God said, you fucking idiot. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's harsh language for God. God doesn't love you as much as he loves Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I want to say this about Elizabeth Gilbert. You know that Disney trope like Snow White and Cinderella where they wake up in the morning and they throw open their window and all the birds and all the butterflies just land on their shoulders and tootle a happy tune at them and all of nature conspires to love this woman. I feel yeah. like Elizabeth Gilbert lives her life like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I have that, but with spiders and flies. <laughs> Throw the window open, and there's spiders and cobwebs. Yeah. Since we can't go to Sherman Oaks, let's take a trip now up north to the Simi Valley. You might remember that was where the OJ trial was relocated to about 30 years ago. And up there is Bonnie Burns, and she's got a hot take on these chapters. Bonnie? Well, uh, I'm just so torn about what I'm going to say today. This whole book reminds <laughs> me of, of... Oh, wait. I have the theme song for the book club. I totally forgot to mention oh, that. Oh, for okay. heaven's sakes. Oh. How could we have forgotten about Wait. that? I Huge know. oversight okay. on Here our part go. not to remind you to sing the theme song. No. <laughs> I have a slight variation on it tonight. Okay. We've got a book club. We've got a book club. We've got a bookie, 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 book club. Tonight's episode Eat, pray, suck. Wow. wow. Uh, Bonnie, are you okay? Yeah, it sounded like you might have, that yeah. might have been a death rattle at the end there. Are you all right? I thought I'd <laughs> set myself up for what I wanted to say about this book. Yeah. Okay. 
I sit down to read it, and I keep <laughs> thinking to myself, how much more of this do I have to endure? You know, Adam, I'm starting to agree with you. I really don't think she had a lot of this experience. I think she sat down. Like, maybe she went to Italy on assignment. And then she went, I could write a really commercial book of, like, this woman who went to find herself. I'll throw in an ashram. I'll throw in meditation. Okay, I got divorced (laughs) from my husband. I'll make up, like, a story about that. Oh, women like a thing about dieting. I'll eat. They'll love hearing that. Self-discovery. And on such a base level that it could really appeal to people. And the other thing is I'm so bored by her and these things that happen (laughs) like I think it was chapter 48 or something when she's having all those like the bad dreams the dog chasing Uh her and then he tries to kill her and you know she can't sleep and she gets up when she walked into that bathroom (laughs) you know went down on the floor and started crying like she did when the book started I was like are you fucking kidding me like there's just something about it that rings so not true and then I think it's the next chapter now she's Elizabeth is so upset that you know she left her husband and maybe she shouldn't have done that and she's telling the guy Richard you know who's so much more evolved than she is and she goes but you don't understand he was my soulmate and this guy Richard says this is his response You can't stay with your soulmate forever because that person's job is to show you how you need to change. I burst out laughing. Yeah, I hear you, Bonnie. You know what? I'll tell you. I was having that same feeling of reading that exact same speech. I was like, there is no way this enlightened guru toothpick chomping old Texan is saying these words. It just it felt false. You know what? You know what I think would have made this book better is if she only used public restrooms. (laughs) (laughs) A lot harder to sob on the floor of a public restroom. I'm with you. Yeah. There would always be other interesting characters while she was crying. That's true. And there would be people that would just be, well, get up out of there. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, she never says, like, I decided not to bathe for a month. Like, have, like, a really risky experience. I will say this. I think she wrote the outline for the book before she left. And she's and <gasps> and she then went to Italy and went to the ashram and, and, and went to wherever she goes after that, Indonesia, I think. Um, but I think she knew exactly what was going to happen. She's, you know, as she self-confesses, absolutely control freak and, and a reasonably talented writer. Um, yeah. I think it was all... It was all manufactured, and what didn't actually happen to her was, was you know, right out of the outline. I agree, mm. and I think, you know, if you read some of these spiritual books, you could thumb through them and go, oh, Kundalini Yoga, okay, I'll write about that, like that happened to me. Oh, you know, this little pearl of wisdom, I'll put that down. Oh, you know, he breaks up with me, and this happens. But don't you think if she's making it all up, it would be a little more interesting? That she would choose more interesting things? No, because like once you said to me that you thought that Trump picked a group of people to go after that he thought he could cultivate to support him. And I think she's written this book to appeal to a large group of people. We're reading it. So, <laughs> so we, she, we have to. she made that sale. <laughs> 
You know, how is it that it was Tony who wanted to read this book, and she's at Disneyland, and we're all reading this fucking book? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's making so, me a little what? resentful, frankly. It is, but I'm glad I'm glad that we all agree and we had a harmonious... I'm going to bring this book club to a close. It might be our first Eat, Pray, Love session where no one was censured. So um, I'm going to draw down the hammer on that. Well done, everybody. I loved it. I loved the chapters. I think she's brilliant. I think that she did all of this stuff. Paula, we're censuring you. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going <laughs> to... I just wanted there to be... I wanted there to be some controversy. Uh, y- you know what? Uh... Let's get some controversy, because I'm sure you have another one of those really controversial vocabulary words for us tonight. Oh, my gosh. I do, Adam. I have a word. It's ninny hammer. It's a <laughs> noun that means a fool or simpleton. Here, I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. I push send without proofreading because I am such a ninny hammer. Here, I'll, I'll use it in a family setting. Wow. This soup bowl is really hot. Why don't you pass me your bowl and I'll serve you? Honey, did you do your homework yet? I I, I almost forgot. I, I'm such a ninny hammer. I hope you put my tools back after you use them. Fill my bowl to the brim if you would, dear. I didn't use your tools, Dad. I said I was a ninny hammer. It means a fool or simpleton. I didn't think I had a ninny hammer. I have a claw hammer and a ball peen hammer. Oh, this soup is hot. Why don't you give a man some warning, you ball peen hammer? Ninny hammer is a great word. <laughs> it is. But I'm such a ninny hammer myself, I'll never remember it. So let me try putting it into the vocabulary song and see if that helps. All right. Uh, this week's word is ninny hammer. It's a noun that means a fool or simpleton. It was my idea to use squeaky tennis balls at Wimbledon. Last week's word was <laughs> ripulation. It's a noun that means the erection of hair on the skin due to cold, fear, or excitement. Got hair so thick I couldn't squeeze through a tight vent. The week before that, the word was ineffable. It's an adjective that means too great or extreme to be expressed in words. Elected officials supporting the big lie are really turds. Going back before that, the word was nadir. It's a noun that means the lowest point in the fortunes of a personal organization. I'm trapped in an elevator with an evangelical Christian and a nauseated Dalmatian. And not long ago, the word was mumps and mess. It's a noun that means a traditional custom or notion adhered to, although shown to be unreasonable. No one's mean at Christmas time because it's unseasonable. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody, James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. There it is. Oh, my God. That's great. Ninny hammer. Oh, it's such a great word. Yeah, but ninny, ninny means hammer? exactly the same thing. It must just be a shortening of ninny hammer. I don't know. Or it could just be a tool. A tool. 
It could be. All right. Coming up, Jean-Paul Sartre famously wrote, Hell is other people. And then he added, especially the way Albert slurps his soup. We'll learn how to handle our fellow humans next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. 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 But I do. I do. I do. I do. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. <laughs> Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. 
And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On this day in unremarkable history, telegraph inventor Samuel Morse said, What? I'm just tapping. I didn't say anything. Thank you, house band Aiden McDonald and Paula Poundstone. Um, you are back on the road. I'm back on the road. You, you know what? I don't... I was never that good socially to begin with, but now let me just say I'm a little on the rusty side. I, I was just uh, up in San Francisco at, at Comedy Day in Golden Gate Park, and people would come up and talk to me, and... I couldn't tell if just everyone was saying weird shit to me, which it felt kind of like, um, but I just felt like I didn't know what to say. Wow. And is, was that worse than it was before the uh, pandemic? Yeah, it seems to be. Dealing with people can be hard, but Paula, this is going to shock you. What? We, by amazing happenstance, have an expert in that subject right here, right now. Get out of town. It's no. true, and you might remember him. Jonathan Bowman is a professor of communication studies at the University of San Diego, where he teaches courses in human communication. His most recent book, Masculinity and Student Success in Higher Education, can be purchased anywhere books are sold. Please welcome Professor Jonathan Bowman. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, John. Hey, Hello, thank Jonathan. you. It's great to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. Staying out of trouble right now, that's for sure. Well, that's that's good. See, I, I wanted to use my how are you um, to, because that's a tried and true uh, conversation piece in a social interaction. I'm trying to be at my best. So I'm really strong in this. I think everybody's gotten a little rusty. Uh, I'm having trouble sometimes even like navigating the grocery store. I mean, it's it's... A whole different world just because we're all a little rusty. Yeah. I was in the grocery store the other day, and I just went up to a total stranger, and I grabbed him by the collar and said, where are the fucking raisins? And <laughs> I just felt the fool, because I don't think that's how I used to do it. <laughs> you know, what's interesting, right, is we have the content information and then the relationship information, and that's those are both a part of all the things that we usually include in our messaging. And we're still pretty good at that content, right? Which is trying to figure out where the raisins are. But that relational yeah. stuff, just the, hey, how's it going? I have a quick question for you. I hope it's not a problem, but can you tell me where the raisins are? That stuff's been out of the window for us for a couple couple months now. So we're all trying to build up that part of us while our content part is still going strong. All right. Can we throw at you some, uh, you know, some some difficult people choices and you tell us what to do with them? Yes, please do. Okay. Someone who brags. You know, someone, you, you know, people who say like, oh, I got so much done during the stay at home order. Oh, my God. Look at I'm physically fit and I've got a I've, I got two or three more jobs and the kids are going to college. Right. That that person. Yeah. 
we, you know, it's, it's hard, right? Because everyone needs the chance to toot their own horn, right? So uh, the difference is picking our audience um, who we're going to toot our horn towards. So um, usually that would be our family or our relational partners. Like those are healthy people um, to do it with. So the bigger question is, is the person who's bragging in your life uh, close to you? Um, and if they're not close, uh, you might wonder why they're doing it. Um, but if they're still important, you know, maybe you have to figure out what's motivating them to try so hard to brag, so hard to look cool or interesting or, you know, exciting. And so sometimes just by figuring out what's going on with that person, you can figure out how to help them not brag as much around you anymore, right? Like it could be loneliness, it could be insecurity or ambition, right? Like any of those things can be addressed um, and help us, you know, not have them brag as much to us. They'll probably still brag to other people, but maybe not to us as much. I think with this guy, it's that he didn't know where the raisins were, and so he was just blurting <laughs> stuff out. I think he just felt threatened, Paula. Yeah, that could be. What about a stranger, right? Somebody that you don't know, um, but they're a nose peeper. They, they talk with their nose out of their mask. Oh, that's hard, right? So if this is someone that you don't know at all, I'd probably just discontinue the interaction, right? It's it's something that I wouldn't recommend confronting just because everyone is so on edge right now, right? For all the things we've talked about right. before and a whole bunch of other things, like people are, it's kind of rough. So when it comes to kind of fight or flight, like you have to remember that people at their wits end right now. And I would say just flight. Like if you can get away from the interaction, <laughs> just do it without apology, without anger, without yeah. confrontation, just kind of get away. But if you can't get away... Um, you, you kind of just need to be direct, right? So something like, hey, I'm really struggling with protecting my health. I'm wondering if maybe you could pull up your mask or maybe we could continue this later when it's more comfortable for both of us. Like, but that then could you're be a calling good... them a pestilential disease carrier, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to do that, do you? Um, would it be inappropriate to say, excuse me, Mr. McCaw, if you could just pull your mask up over that schnoz, I'd really appreciate it. I mean, that's kind of what I'm recommending, just maybe a little bit softer language, right? But I, I got to say, whenever you refer to somebody's schnoz, you're not going to be in their good graces. <laughs> I think schnoz, schnoz is fighting words, almost always. Yeah. I've never hit on someone telling them they have a beautiful schnoz. See? Yeah, they're not... Uh, yeah, it's true. It's not... Uh, uh, words of praise, schnoz. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, how about someone who's kind of in your space, like a really close talker, somebody who just kind of crowds you, and, and uh, you've got nowhere to back away to anymore? How do, you, how do you create the space that you need, particularly in these dangerous times when exposed schnozes are breathing disease all over you? <laughs> sure. So the first thing to think about is, you know, really what's going on here, right? Is this person doing it for a power play or is it just out of ignorance? Because if it's out of ignorance, it's super easy. You can just let the person know and most people will be happy to respond very graciously, right? Like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a little claustrophobic right now. Could you give me a couple of feet of space? And people will totally back up, right? As long as you're kind of taking the why, why like, can you do this for me rather than you need to do this because this is what you need to do, right? If it's a if it's a power play, like a direct concentration is not going to, get you anything, right? That's not the best way. Um, okay. The one thing I will say, though, right, is that there's plenty of nonverbal things you can do with your body to make that person want to move back, right? So 
um, your words may not be the best way to get someone to get out of your space, right? So uh, there's so you're some things you that fart. I fart. <laughs> I kind of thought the same thing. It sounds like you were suggesting farting. <laughs> uh, farting is uh, definitely an option, uh, but it's it's kind of hard to have one preloaded and ready to go. Um, Not for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you remember? know, erratic or spastic movements. As weird as that sounds, like just moving your elbows around, it it makes people kind of a little nervous about the fact that you might accidentally hit them with your elbows, and so they might take a step back, right? And also, your behavior is weird or strange enough that they're very likely to kind of remove themselves from the situation in some way. So you're supposed to start flapping your elbows? Uh, yeah. Like that's just kind of an example. Not like a bird, right? But like kind of taking up space, <laughs> making yourself appear larger, taking up more room, right? We talk about um, man spreading, like when men kind of tend to spread out to take over a space. Yeah. Uh, people tend to shrink back from that, but there's no reason why only men should be able to manspread, right? Like that's just kind of a cultural norm. But the more you <laughs> take up scary. space, the more people will make space for you. So wait, so while you're talking to the person, if you could just gain weight right then? <laughs> Some of us, that's very easy to do. <laughs> yeah, or just, you could just have like an inflatable suit and just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you, if you think about the ways we take up space, right? Like puffing your chest out, like holding your arms a little bit out from your body, um, kind of moving your um, hands so they're not resting on your body, taking them out of your pockets, putting your hands on your hips, holding your head up high, um, spreading your legs apart a little bit. Like these are all ways that we can kind of easily make ourselves appear larger, right? These are the things that animals do in the wild to scare off other animals. This is what we want to do in our own space. What do you do about somebody who can't stop telling you what to do? Ooh, so there's this great theory called politeness theory. And politeness theory says that kind of two of our main motivations in life as humans are that we want to present ourselves in the way we want to be presented. And we don't want other people to impose themselves upon us. And so this really says that what you're feeling is like one of the primary irritants as a human, right? Like this idea that someone else is telling you what to do. Someone else is trying to force you to do something, right? And and I think yeah. that's the thing that we have to realize is, one, we can't react negatively because we don't know necessarily where this person's coming from. But at the same time, we need to think through, like, am I just getting upset because this person's trying to, like, manipulate me or or, or get me to do something? Or is it yeah, something I, I should actually be doing and I just don't like the fact that someone's told me? Well, there's definitely all of that, but I have at least one relationship in my life where it's just somebody that, you know, I, I see more or less day to day. We, we, you know, we kind of work together and <laughs> it's just somebody who just tells me what to do at all times, has a better reason why, why their way is better than my way. Also, sometimes there's this sort of, sometimes it can be something that is so obvious to do. That you don't need to be told, yes. Right, that it needn't be said. And then it just feels like uh, like the person thinks you're an idiot. So in that case, you need to think, like, how much do I really care about this person? How much do I care about this relationship? How much do I need to really stay in it? And if it's something that you're going to need to stay in, something that you need to continue, then confrontation in a calm, uh, 
kind of slightly removed from the moment when it happens kind of conversation, like that's going to be a really great way to kind of broach the subject. It's, it's much worse to immediately say like, Oh my gosh, you're telling me stuff I already know. And you're driving me crazy. Right. That's not going to work. Okay. That makes sense to me. That helps. I got to make a phone call. Can you excuse me for just a second? Sure. No, I'm kidding. Hey, you know, um, Kendall Jenner once said, <laughs> "Wait a minute, <laughs> I was gonna call my friend and what the tell fuck? him." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that wasn't clear. Hopefully, it'll be clear to some of our listeners. Um, you know, Kendall Jenner once said, "There's a lot of annoying things about me." I'm taking her out of context, but you know what? I'm comfortable with that. Don't judge me, Bowman. I need this. We'll discuss more productive modes of social interactions when we come back. The Cat of the Week is C.K. Dexter Haven from Boston, Massachusetts. And we're back with Professor Jonathan Bowman. Jonathan, you're helping us handle difficult people. Paula, I'm not calling you difficult. I'm saying you should ask him a question. You're not difficult. <laughs> At least I wouldn't say it out loud if you were. You're fine, Paula. I get along with you very well. No annoyances. We're friends. Very good friends. Uh, yes. Thank you, Adam. For, uh, for th Thank you for uh, smoothing over any challenges we may have. Uh, so, Jonathan, what, what about somebody who lies? Oh. Ooh. Yeah, that's probably one of the most annoying ones of them all. Um, okay, so... If someone is lying to you and they're lying to you regularly, it's not just like a one-time thing, but it's something that happens frequently. I think the most important thing is to really think about how much you need that person in your life. And that sounds harsh, but a lot of times these are optional relationships and maybe we should, uh, you know, rethink uh, whether or not that person is really worth spending time around, right? Because you're always going to be living in wonder about if whatever they're telling you is true. But a lot of those relationships are necessary, right? They're ones that we can't easily change. They're your kid or your parent, they're your um, boss and you need the job, right? Those kinds of things. So in mm -hmm. that case, you need to really, you know, think through um, what's going on. And I think one of the first things to do is to think about, you know, why is this person motivated for lying? Like, why are they lying? Um, does the lie benefit themselves? Does it benefit you or does it benefit your relationship with them, right? Those are kind of the three primary reasons why someone would lie to you, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to either like help themselves, help you, or help the relationship that the two of you have. And I think it's it's oftentimes much more acceptable uh, for us sometimes if we're able to realize that the person is lying to make us feel better, right? We still don't like the behavior. We still don't want it to happen. Um, but if that's the reason, if they're trying to protect us, then that's when you can have a good, honest conversation and say something like, hey, you know what? I know you're trying to protect me, um, but I'm strong enough to handle this on my own. Like, I'd prefer you just to be honest. Like that's going to be the best way to really uh, reach me. Um, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, so I think it's, you know, trying to figure out like these lies, are they, are they, you know, quote unquote good lies or are they bad lies? Right. And in that case, if you are stuck with someone who's a liar, you can't get rid of them. You've recognized that they're lying mostly for their own good and you can't remove yourself from the situation. I think the only thing you can do is really just keep track and remind yourself before interactions with them, that they are likely lying to you, right? And this is the least desirable option, but it at least protects you from believing their lies again, right? Going into every interaction with them, assuming, hey, you know what? This person has a history of lying to me. 
They're probably going to be lying to me again. Let me at least take this with a grain of salt. I'm going to keep an open mind still because I need to for my own sanity. But just remembering in the back of my mind that there's a possibility that this person is lying to me. You know, what I, what I usually, and this is probably not right, but what I usually do when somebody lies to me is I say, um, oh, I forgot to watch you on Fox last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you about another one that's a big pet peeve of mine. Somebody who's habitually late. Now, to me, that's, that, that, it just enrages Ooh. me because it feels like that person lives in a world where they never have to wait for anybody because they're making everybody wait for them. Yeah. Um, and it just drives me out of my gourd. Um, what do you do about that kind of thing? I, I actually caught myself apologizing to someone because I was only two minutes early to something uh, about two weeks ago. And then I realized, like, oh, man, I'm the one with the problem here. Um, <laughs> so I think when it comes to, um, like, being late, um, this is a cultural thing. There's actually a whole study of this called chronemics that studies how – um, different cultures use time differently and how even within the United States, there are different time cultures, right? So it could have been based upon your cultural group, but also even your family group and how you process time as a child growing up. Wow. Well, no, I'm talking about somebody who every time this person walks into the room and arrives late says, I'm sorry, I'm late. And then tells you a story as to why that is. So in that case, right. One thing to do would be to do something important or interesting or fun right at the beginning of your time together and not be able to include them, right? And it can be something oh. really stupid or silly. Like, um, you know, I, I heard of people, you know, bringing snacks that are divided evenly based on how many people are there at the beginning of the meeting. Like, oh, I brought a cinnamon <laughs> roll. There's five of us here. I'm going to cut it in five pieces and everyone gets one except for the person who's late. And it sounds oh. kind of silly, but if that person likes cinnamon rolls, they're going to get there a little bit earlier the next time just in case. Yeah, or you say like, you say, I already gave out the bags of cash. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I would say, if you're listening to us out there, you know, buddy. If you're familiar with never waiting around for anybody when groups of people meet up and you're never waiting around, think about why that is. Never. Oh, I see. Well, there's always got to be a last person that joins. Yeah, but the if you're always the last person, I'm just, I'm just reaching out. I'm hoping that people will hear me. Oh, so you're hoping to change the to change the world with this? I'm trying. Yeah, as, yes, as opposed, people, it's just within 15 minutes of when you say you're going to be at lunch. But Jonathan is here to help us figure out how to cope with these difficult behaviors or these difficult people, not to help you change people. Like the the, the idea is, how do you cope with it? I, I'd rather they did, but okay, you're right. You're right. I know you're right. <laughs> Carry on. One other thing I'd say, uh, people people also talk about the idea of just kind of um, practicing kind of a, a, a wakefulness and a readiness to do other things or to think other things or to accomplish other things while you're waiting for other people. And I don't love that as a suggestion, but people claim that it works pretty well. So um, I might show up somewhere and bring a book that I don't have to like get deeply into knowing that they'll probably be about five minutes late and knowing that because of my personality, I'll be there about 10 minutes early. That gives me 15 minutes to uh, send a couple of emails, send a text message or to read a little bit of a book. And that can kind of help me reclaim that time. So I'm not just looking at my watch and tapping my foot and hating the person that's making me wait there. I also, I don't know if you want to include this in your, in your course of study, 
uh, uh, Jonathan, but I, I, uh, I will just drive a Winnebago when I'm going to meet somebody so that, you know, if they don't show up on time, I can just make pancakes or something. Or sleep. You know. Yeah, or go to yeah. sleep. Yeah, sure. Exactly. That's... What about people who... Okay, but what about... Nip- okay, but... Okay, no. What okay, about people who about... interrupt... People who interrupt <laughs> okay, drive wait. both me and wait. Paula crazy. Wait, uh, what about people who... Oh, my gosh. I don't want to interrupt, so I'm just... Do you I'm ever deal with this. anybody who... Oh, my gosh. I mean, this has gotten a lot worse the, during the COVID yeah, times because, because, of the, because of the delays in... Because of the delays. Do, do you no, because ever, of the delays in communication. Do you ever deal with anybody who interrupts? <laughs> um, so, Zoom aside, right? So, if we're just talking about normal conversations, right? So, if, when people are interrupting, um, the... The term we use a lot of times is competitive interrupting, and that's when someone's interrupting with the goal of trying to reduce your own talking time. Let, let, let me cut you off right there, John. What we're talking about here is competitive interrupting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like an Olympic sport. Anything yeah. go you on, go can on, do, sorry. I can do better. Better? <laughs> so with, with that competitive interrupting, right, like the person's whole goal is to try and talk more than you, to try to speak more than you to steal your thunder to steal your um your ability or or time to speak to do it like one of the things that we can really try to do in that situation is um use our our bodies to indicate to that other person that it's not okay to interrupt you right and so one of the things that people oftentimes do is they will use their eyes in order to get the person to not interrupt and we tend to feel more empowered to interrupt when we're making eye contact with another person so if you can use your eyes, and this sounds really weird, but if you can use your eyes and not look at the other person directly, they're less likely to interrupt you because they're looking to make eye contact with you to shove their words in. So one way to protect ourselves from being interrupted is actually looking away. And the other way is um, this little trick we have that kind of irritates us public speaking teachers, right? But that's when we keep talking or we keep making a noise or we keep making a sound. We call it a vocalized pause, right? We all know what this is. It's when someone goes, uh, um, uh, well, right? And that kind of speaking is the same as not making eye contact with someone, right? So if I were to come to the end of my sentence and not know what I was going to say yet, but I knew I didn't want someone to be able to interrupt me and take my my spot, I might still kind of make my words longer until I remembered what I was going to say and keep going on. It's like a placeholder, right? It's like putting your jacket on a chair so someone else can't sit down there. Like, no, 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 I'm still talking. It's filibustering. I'm still talking, still talking, still talking. Um, (laughs) Yeah, what about, um, and you'll never know who I'm talking about now, but I have a friend, very close friend, Mm. known many years, uh-huh. Who, inter- who interrupts because she doesn't hear? That isn't true. <laughs> she just keeps saying that. You know what, Jonathan? Sometimes this is how she talks on the cell phone. <laughs> that isn't my fault. That's not your fault. No, but right. she never talks like that in the cell phone, Bonnie. <laughs> no, sometimes she does. Like it's muffled because she's got a flip phone. It's not just with me. It's when we're on the conference call and it's frequent and it's because you don't hear. Jonathan, what about when you what about a friend who you're you're telling a difficult truth to? Is there a is there a special way of doing that? 
I think she's told the difficult truth already. You didn't hear it. I- <laughs> All right, so so um, since she can't hear us, uh, Jonathan, how do we go about telling Bonnie she's deaf? I mean, obviously, there's not an easy way to tell. I can't wait, wait, Jonathan, your audio just went out. Your, your audio actually just went out. Now Bonnie's gonna. I think you blame. accidentally muted yourself on your phone. Oh, Bonnie's gonna go. blame. There Bonnie's, we go. Bonnie's gonna blame this on Jonathan and say she couldn't hear him because he was muted. 100%. I heard everything. He's, I heard everything he said. So how how do we break the news to some notional friend of ours that they might have some problems hearing us? I know. <laughs> oh, he's not talking again. Hear him again. <laughs> All right, Jonathan. It, it sounds not- like your question is uh, the difference between hearing and listening, right? It sounds like uh, oh. maybe, maybe there's a distinction between whether she's uh, able to process the auditory input or whether she's really going to take it to heart and make a change. You know what? Fuck you, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and what about a manipulator? What about someone who, instead of just saying stuff directly, tries to get you to do things by, you know, leaving breadcrumbs? So, like, give me an example of a manipulation situation, right? Because we all think of manipulation differently. Um, Well, of course, there's many types. You know, hi, just called to see how you are. Um, so good to hear your voice. Uh, and then a little bit of time later in the conversation, um, I, I need money. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, in that case, right, you'd, you'd want to think through, like, is this person socially developed to where they're doing this intentionally or are they doing it accidentally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is someone who truly should know better or, or should, um, you know, seems to be able to navigate their other social situations pretty fluently um, Mm -hmm. and pretty easy. I think, you know, oftentimes like just acknowledging in some way that you understand um, what that person wants and why you're not going to give it to them. Right. Because I think Mm -hmm. one of the tools of a manipulator is trying to pretend like it's not their idea or trying to pretend like it's not their want in the first place. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, getting you to do something of your own volition. But if you say, hey, you know, it, it sounds like you're um, asking for money. Is that something that you need? Right. Like that's going to that's going to change the conversation. You'll still be having a conversation about that person wanting money. Right. Which is still an uncomfortable conversation. But now they're not. But at least you're being honest about the terms of it. Totally. Yeah. And then you can confront it as a conversation about the money rather than a conversation about you trying to get rid of your own guilt. Um, with this friend that you haven't talked to in a long time. Okay, I, I know I know somebody, and I would never say their name, and, and no one here knows them, um, but they'll say, did you want blah, 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 right? Uh, they'll say, well, did you want to blah, blah, blah? And just, this, this, right is, this is Bonnie again. I don't think I do that that much anymore <laughs> at all. No, when it's, it's no it one. To my attention. It's no I one. I don't think I do it that much no, anymore. No, it's no one that anyone knows. It's it's just it's a, it's a made up character from a book. Did did you uh, did you want to blah blah blah? And did I, you want I, to retake that? Yeah. 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 Jonathan has an answer here. I can see it on his face. Well, I was just gonna say I'm gonna take the the hypothetical person's back in this situation. Right. It sounds like they're giving oh. a command, but trying to soften it to make it less painful to the other people. And yes. it sounds like that person actually probably has the power to get done what they want, but they're trying to make you feel a little bit better about yourself while they try to do it. So 
I would say they're taking the right steps. Like they're doing the right thing. They're they're trying to see if they can lead you in that wow. direction. No. It's rather so than annoying. I can't no. even <laughs> begin to tell you how obnoxious that is. It's so transparent. Well, what are you supposed to say? If it's something you want, then you need to put it out as your own want. Okay, so you're supposed to say, Jonathan, I like your hair better when it's like not like when it's not behind your ear. I mean, is that really that seems so bossy? <laughs> well, it it's cool. it's no better than are you sure you don't want to move your hair in front of your ear so you're not ugly? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, so the, the most straightforward version would be, I want you to move your hair behind your ears. I think it looks better behind your ears, right? But that is, you know, back to our politeness theory discussion earlier in our conversation, like that's something that feels a little uncomfortable for the person receiving it. So in that case, the person's trying to say like, oh, do you want to put your hair back behind your ears? Like that's a right. way of kind of trying to soften it rather than saying like, I need you to put your hair back behind your ears. You're going to thank me for it later. But if if it's really covering up something like Adam said, where you're, you're actually implying that the person is unattractive or, you know, you're manipulating them that much, then, then clearly that's problematic. But a little manipulation is, is kind of the normal way of, of, of good persuasive communication, right? I knew just, I could get you to say that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's even saying simple things like saying, if we're in a studio, the door's open, I might say, do you, do you guys want the door open? And Paula feels like what I'm saying is... I'd like to get the door closed. No, it's some. It's not you. It's somebody else entirely. It's somebody that nobody here knows. <laughs> I mean, direct communication is always the preferred method, right? Unless it's like rude or evil or or you know particularly bossy, and in that situation, softening it some way. But you could say like, please, right? You could say like, hey, you know, please. I'm wondering, can we can we shut the door, right? I would feel better if we shut the door, right? Like those are those are additional ways, but it's not unusual to say, um, "Hey, you know, does does everyone want the door open or shut? Like, does it matter?" That's that's a way of starting the conversation. Okay, that's easy when it's a door, but say, and I, this is about no one we know. <laughs> say the person's doing something on camera; they don't have lipstick on, so it just feels like to go. Do you want to wear lipstick? Which that person who none of us know is right that. To me, that feels critical. I don't know. What's the way to say that that's, that's correct? Because maybe they forgot lipstick, so you're doing them a favor. It just feels so hard to say those things. Oh, here's a good way to do it. I can't see your lips at all. <laughs> did, did you lose your lips? Oh, my gosh. No, I'm not wearing lipstick. Did you lipstick. have a lipectomy? Oh, oh my God. Oh, that's no, what it is. How, how about someone who insults you, someone who's insulting, someone who's throwing shade at you in social situations, in public? Uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're doing it as though they're kidding, or maybe they're just being insulting. How do you deal with that? Ooh. Someone belittling. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, one thing that you can do, um, and this is a really old technique, I think, um, you know, it goes back to, like, biblical times. Um, the idea of responding... Nice shoes, Jesus! <laughs> Re responding um, sweetly, kindly, you know, like uh, there's the, the idea of uh, heaping coals on someone's head, right, when they do you a wrong, right? Just this idea of, like, right. being nice, like, not responding negatively, like, 
you're going to make them look like the fool in this situation in the long run, right? If you are responding positively. And so I think that's a good strategy, right? Like, don't belittle them back because then you're just going to get more and more insults and more negative information about you is going to get in kind of that social sphere, right? Instead, um, you know, remain calm, be nice, um, or at least don't respond as negatively. um, And, you know, maybe handle that on your own with that person rather than trying to have a big public um, duel about it. I mean, not literally a duel, but a big public conversation about it. But now I feel uh, very untrusted. So if somebody says to me, boy, you know, so-and-so said you're a wonderful person, that now I'm going <laughs> to go up to so-and-so and go, what do you think, I'm an asshole? Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's I think you know confusing. when you're being insulted, Paula. You have a schnoz for that. Um <laughs> Well, Jonathan, that was excellent. It's all very useful. And now we are going to run all of this new information through the old Pounstonator. Paula? Thanks so much to our house band, Aiden McDonald on the harp. The band has been exquisite this episode. If I can get you to give me a little bit of background music, I'll let you know what the old Pounstonator spit out. Thanks also to Professor Jonathan Bowman, who has instructed us on how to handle difficult people. One of the key techniques is to reflect on how much you care about relationships with people who have these negative behaviors. I can see myself in the very near future addressing a gathering of my friends. Okay, thanks for coming. I can't really see because of the lights. I'll begin by calling the roll. If you could just say here or present if you're here. My friend who lies, are, are you here? No, okay. My, my friend who manipulates, are, are you here? No, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my friend who keeps me waiting, are, are you here? Not yet anyways, okay. Uh, my friend who interrupts all the time, are you out there? No, huh? My friend who brags, are you here? No. My, my friend who tells me what to do all the time, are you here? There's no one out there, is there? Okay, I I really have thinned the herd. That's funny. He is a professor of communication studies at the University of San Diego and our friend, thank you so much, returning champion, Jonathan Bowman. Nice job, Jonathan. Jonathan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, Thank you. Jonathan, did did you want to stay safe? What? <laughs> so did you want to stay safe? Normally, I would say to someone, "Hey, take care of yourself, stay safe." But I'm, but I didn't want to tell him what to do. Oh, oh boy, oh, we're gonna be squabbling all night. That was a oh, I get it. I get it. Jonathan, Jonathan, what? did you want to wear lipstick? <laughs> Coming up, Adam Felber once said, there is no more ennobling human activity than the exchange of edifying quotations. How right he was. Our quote party is coming up next. McDonald, on that harp, we are so happy to have you back here. All right, uh, Paula Poundstone. Yes? I think it was Paula Poundstone who said, Hey, Adam, 
Let's do quote party this week. Quote party. We got quote party. We got quote, 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 quote party. Thank you, Bonnie. Right off the top of my head. No Wow, cards, that's unbelievable. No pre-thinking, I... no nothing. Huh. I wonder, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Want to hear it again? I wonder, I, I wonder if, if the guy... No! I wonder <laughs> if the guy from uh, Queen just came up with it like that, you know. That's amazing. Um, so, what was that? Wait, what, what is happening here? I don't know. Bonnie is... Uh, as she tries to make adjustments socially, uh, and we didn't talk to uh, Professor Bowman about this, but as she tries to make adjustments socially, it seems like something else uh, goes haywire for her. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> now that we've got there, uh, we've got our theme song. We've, we've, we've established that we're doing quote party. Paula Poundstone, what edifying quotation do you have this week and why? Um, all right, here's, here's my quote. It is certain in any case that ignorance allied with power is the most ferocious enemy justice can have. Wow. That is a quote. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's an observation that someone made a couple of weeks ago or perhaps on January 6th or on election day. No, it's a quote from James Baldwin. So apparently... Uh, this ignorance allied with power threat has been around for quite a while. Yeah. It is certain in any case that ignorance allied with power is the most ferocious enemy justice can have. Was it somebody who had uh, had a chat with uh, Ted Cruz or, or, or Rand Paul? Uh, no, it was James Baldwin. Well, that's fantastic. That, I, I love that you dug that up, too. But let's dig up a quote from Bonnie Burns up in the Simi Valley. This is not a quote from Bonnie Burns. This is a quote that Bonnie Burns found. Right. You don't know that yet. <laughs> no. I mean, a quote from Bonnie Burns is, uh, we're having a theme song party. That's a quote from <laughs> Bonnie Burns. <laughs> or, do you want to have toilet paper on your shoe? Is that what you do? Do you want that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, do you guys... That's a good one. Do you guys... How, how do you guys feel about having a quote from... Do you guys think it'd be a good idea to have a quote from me? Yes, I, It's Bonnie. not a quote from you. I've left it's, myself wide open. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie, what quote did you bring? Okay. Well, mine is from David Hockney, who's one of my favorite artists. And uh, this is the quote. We grow small trying to be great. Ooh, that's how I got oh. so small. <laughs> Wait, what did Paula say? I didn't hear her. Because <laughs> she has that tiny little voice now. Yeah, just push your vacuum cleaner closer to your ear. You'll hear. <laughs> yeah, sometimes she Jesus mumbles, God. I swear. She yeah, doesn't Bonnie, mumble. She's out walking the dog. She calls me, and she's, like, mumbling into the flip phone thingy. Bonnie, mm -hmm. you often don't hear me, and I do almost nothing but holler. I, you know what? <laughs> do you guys want to keep, do you guys want to keep talking? Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, and we're going to. Okay. I'm so uh, glad that we had Professor Bowman, <laughs> because, I, 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 and unfortunately, what we've accidentally done is reinforced 
some of these traits instead of found a way to cope with them. Yeah, we've... Yeah, we'll have to ask him about that. Okay, we grow small trying to be great is like, I like the quote, and it's like a philosophy that I have. Really? I don't think you should strive to do something because like, oh, I'll do that to be great. I don't think that's a reason to do something. Oh, I, I think see. you do it because it's like creatively satisfying or it's satisfying, not because it'll make you great or famous. I like that. Yeah, sure. I like the quote. Uh, I think you took that from a, a bigger quote um, because uh, <laughs> right after that, he said, um, I'm going to try to use more green. I think he said, I'm going to try and use more blue. <laughs> if I can. Uh, <laughs> Adam. Yes. Did you bring in a quote? I did, and I'm going to kind of pull a Bonnie Burns by first setting up why I brought this quote. As I told you at the beginning of this show, we've been having some severe plumbing issues at this house, and I was sitting around today with the guys outside coming to me, you know, every hour or so and going like, well, don't use the bathroom or the sink for the next 25 minutes, realizing how important having flowing water in and out of your house is. I thought to myself, wow, when you all for quote party tonight, I'm going to, Bonnie, am I getting in the way of you making salad? No, Bonnie's making lemonade. I thought I'd eat while you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have a little snack. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Nobody's, it's so important that you understand this. Okay. So we spent a lot of our lives with Bonnie calling us up going, there was noise on your track. Can you, and I go, Jesus, just, I, I, you know, did you do anything? Did you use a different microphone? Is there, is there something wrong with the wires you're using? Every, every week, there's like, I don't know, there was a noise on your track. And meanwhile, she's about to fire up a Cuisinart. Uh, no. I, I, no, she's no. I can hear the chewing. She's already eating Paula, and she's eating out of a out of a either a glass or a ceramic bowl. bowl. That was absolutely the sound yeah, of like a glass bowl with a fork. You can hear the chewing. Can you yes. really hear the chewing? Yes, but I guess so it's Is it a salad? No, it's gross. What you're gonna? I'm having. Oh, what are you eating, Bonnie? I'm relaxed. I'm sitting here eating and listening to but you. What I can't figure out is how is the person who's always so concerned about every little sound, just like serving. Are you at a restaurant? I'm comfortable. I've had a good time. It's been very enjoyable at the show. I'm sitting here relaxed eating. Okay, but the show's not over. How about you finish the show and then eat? Yeah. (laughs) I got hungry. It's not over yet. Oh, my God. You have to tell me what you're eating. Okay, it's really gross. Yes, that's why I want to know. Okay, it's pineapple. I usually like it to be cherries. Like frozen pineapple thawed out with orgain powder on top of it. And you couldn't wait for that? I said it was <laughs> I was hungry. I didn't have a chance to have lunch or dinner. No, because you were busy manipulating earlier. So you couldn't... I was busy uh, <laughs> All right. Okay, can you just go on? I'm enjoying my I just Bonnie? heard the bowl again. Just put it down. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, it's so audible. Just put the bowl down. Okay, here you go. Bonnie, do you want to put your bowl down and stop eating now? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Would you like to do this? <laughs> okay, I stopped. Guarantee you she's going to be sneaking food into her mouth. No, I stopped. Okay, great. So, uh, my current crisis has... <laughs> oh, God damn it, Bonnie. <laughs> okay, I really stopped. <laughs> Oh, it's a good thing I'm shooting heroin on this show. Okay, here we go. Oh, um, my gosh. Adam, don't shoot heroin on the show because Bonnie will hear it. And she'll say, I heard. I don't know what it was what, on your track, you just, Adam. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like a needle going into skin. Yeah. Which one of you, which one of you was shooting heroin while we were recording? Because I could hear. She's still eating. Honestly, it, God, it, she's still eating. You can hear that? <laughs> yes! I can't. Well, then, no, I can't believe you hear and if that. You, if you would get your hearing aids out of your vacuum cleaner, you could hear it, too. <laughs> well, it's taking you a long time to get through this. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm too quieter. <laughs> oh my god! I'm still hearing spoon hit bowl. Oh my god! All right, I'm just gonna I'm just okay. gonna bowl through. Okay, I really put it to the side. Great. So now <laughs> yeah. you're eating on the side. Um, what if I use my finger? I use my finger. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we might be done with quote party. No, we're not. I want to no. hear you. Oh go. no! Yeah. <laughs> I have. I have a new quote that I want to use, and it's it's one of mine. <laughs> you can't use it's that. It's for quote. Bonnie. It's not very original. No, you can't use that one. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I was looking up the importance of plumbing. I thought maybe somebody in history has said something about that plumbing is really more important than most people think. It turns out everybody in history has said so. Oh, is that true? Yeah, it's like it's like every once in a while, like like throughout history, there's people saying like one thing that's underappreciated is how important plumbing is. So I guess everybody has had that experience that I'm having right now. Uh, so I just took I took a quick one that I really liked because it was pithy, and it's from Spencer Tracy. He says, "Acting is not an important job in the scheme of things. Plumbing is." Yeah, that's from that movie he did. What was it? Uh, Inherit the plumbing. Yes, he did that movie. In Inherit the flush. Uh, very. <laughs> so help me, Bonnie. I heard that too. You did so, not. God, <laughs> you were doing it. You admit it. <laughs> oh my gosh, boy, Tony's gonna wish she had been here today. <laughs> uh, I didn't really miss her all that much. I thought we oh, did nice. okay without her. <laughs> Jesus. No, I love having her on, but I really thought we did okay today. Huh. No, yeah. I think maybe, how would you describe what I just said in terms of what Jonathan told us? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think he said anything about slighting comments about your friend while they're not there. I don't think he I, mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and with with that, ladies and gentlemen, that has been... Quote party. Uh, you know what? I think we should go a little longer so Bonnie can finish up her organ and frozen pineapple. Um, <laughs> no, it's thought out. You thought I out. I think the show was going really good until Bonnie, <laughs> <laughs> until Bonnie clicked on the feedback and then and then things went a little off, <laughs> off the rails. Yeah. Jeez. 
nobody's. If you have questions or comments, drop us a line at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And Paula, Paula, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? I'm going to fix this bench while Paula tells us what's going on in the uh, Poundstone product empire. Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, oh. has had. <laughs> Had such, such a successful season. Uh, you know, Dr. Manet? Dr. Manet is at his um, is at his shoemaking bench. Uh, Adam, did I tell you this? Poundstone Industries, also known as <laughs> Nancy Incorporated has had such a successful season. We sold one fucking shirt. Although it's hard to isolate the variables <laughs> that go into that, we, we do have a cutting-edge employee wellness program. I'm smoking. Listeners can find my remarkably soft tri-poly t-shirts with my self-portrait on the left front breast and a memorable quote on the back in both baseball and standard styles at the store at my website, paulapoundstone.com. I also just harvested a beautiful batch of worm poop, and I didn't do it while we were recording. You <laughs> sprinkle a little of the worm poop around your plants or make a potting soil mix with about 20% worm castings, and you'll have a non-violent Audrey too. It's amazing how quickly and noticeably this improves your plant. I have about eight and a half pounds. I'll sell it at $4 a pound plus shipping. Write me at Paula at PaulaPoundstone.com if you'd like a pound or two. We'll work it out. Wow. I'll be coming off my teeny tiny worm farm tractor to perform in Santa Cruz at the Rio Theater Friday, October 29th in Baltimore, Maryland at the Crash Hour Auditorium Thursday, November 4th and Thousand Oaks, California at the Thousand Oaks Performing Arts Center on Friday, November 5th. Click on the tour tab at my website which is paulapoundstone.com. Uh, of course, there's much more to tell you, but Heidi. Yeah, Heidi, I tell you, everybody, you can subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. And if there's a subject or topic you want to know more about, tell us. We're at nobody listens to paulapoundstone at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is finally the end of our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Jonathan Bowman. Yay! And to our house band harpist, Aiden McDonald. Yay! Yay! All right, our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull, although she's not here today. Starburns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? I think 
uh, that, um, you know, we say if there's a subject that you'd like to know more about, um, people yeah. should uh, contact us. But also, if there's another um, uh, dish uh, that they'd like to hear Bonnie eat, <laughs> um, they can also, um, yeah. you know. Oh, they should. Uh, if they have- she'll eat... And you know what? They can we can combine people's requests because Bonnie will throw together things that really shouldn't be in the same bowl. Yeah, she'll stir up like a Chex mix uh, with the with chicken the, soup. Uh, pi- yeah, pi- yeah, with the pineapple, and uh, <laughs> well, actually, um, you know, with the strawberries and the uh, and the chicken, the strawberry chicken. She likes that. Uh, yeah. yeah. With so a if bit there's of anything, yeah, little bit of butter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and she always likes to sprinkle some sort of powder on her food. And if she doesn't have some sort of nutritious powder like Orgain, <laughs> she'll just use powder. Yeah, she'll use whatever's around. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of people are going to send in recipes for for Bonnie to uh, eat during the show. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Send it in, people. Send it in. Nobody yeah. else is born about stuff at gmail.com. Another another Bonnie Burns recipe. Stop and a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.